0: The athletic. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast.
1: Hello, it's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC, brought to you by The Athletic UK. My name's Sammy James, and welcome to our latest big interview episode. We're joined today by Fulham and US men's national team centre back stalwart Mr. Tim Ream. So excited! To have him on the podcast today, we're going to be chatting to him all about his memories at Fulham, his new renaissance on social media, his endeavours outside of Fulham, and his thoughts all about Marco Silva's exciting team, which is currently tearing up the championship. And here to chat to Tim with me today is Mr. Foul Monk.
2: Good evening, Sammy
1: and Jack Kelly. Hello, everyone. So before we get into the interview, just to say that if you're new to Fulhamish, uh, please make sure you subscribe to get our twice weekly analysis on all things FFC. And of course, as I mentioned, we are partnered with The Athletic UK. And if you want 33% off the regular subscription, go to theathletic.com forward slash Fulham pod. But without further ado, let's meet Tim Reed. Tim Ream, welcome to Fulhamish.
0: Thank you for having me. A pleasure.
1: Oh, it's a, the pleasure is all ours, Tim. Great to have you on, obviously, international duty at the moment. As we speak, uh, you just got a one-all draw against Canada. So, so how's the trip abroad been? Um, I think a lot of us Fulham fans didn't expect you to make the trip after the injury you got against Hull, but you, you bounced back pretty quick.
0: It's been all right. It's been crazy. Um, I mean, we've never experienced three games in a window before. So it's, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a little bit hectic, uh, you know, traveling, <clears throat> traveling the day before down to El Salvador and and traveling the day after. Um, I mean, you're, you're in the country for 48 hours and, and then back to the back to the state. So it's been, it's been wild uh, wrapping up a lot of, uh, a lot of air miles, but yeah, healthy. Um, I, uh, came through that, that injury, um, pretty quick, which was, uh, which was uh, obviously pleasing for myself.
1: Cool. Well, look, we'd love to ask you all about your VSS initiative, your podcast, and and obviously I think we'll get it stuck into uh, the current season um, and the US men's national team as well. We've got some questions from listeners as well who have who have got in touch um, throughout the podcast, Tim. I'm going to start off with um, one of them now because I think it's um, the burning question for a lot of Fulham fans with you, Tim, is uh, Richard Bamber asked, What prompted Tim to become a social media personality after all these years? You're you're suddenly (laughs) Mr. Twitter as far as um, Uh, as far as Fulham's concerned. So what's the uh, what's the reason?
0: Um, you know what? Honestly, I I kind of it's it's easy and it's hard to explain. So I I had I had someone who I was just getting dogs abuse from, um, and it was one of those that. It was a a random profile, an anonymous profile, um, and I just kind of gotten gotten sick of it. Um, and so, I kind of had a little nibble back um, and and kind of put him to rights, um, so to speak. And and he eventually blocked me, unblocked me, came back and and called me a racist. Um, and I just wasn't I wasn't having it. And, and I just thought, you know what, like people don't know me um i i've i've stayed quiet i've stayed private um for for as long as i have and and that's for a reason and then this whole thing with um the podcast and and this this initiative with VSS started and i just thought why not engage people um and and i'd rather do it in a in a positive manner um in in a positive way and and listen as as players we we we've felt just as much as everyone else, the the disconnect and and not not having fans in in stadiums and, and at grounds and um, you know feeling that that love and and even the the you know the negativity at, at times when it's warranted. So um, I just thought, why not engage people? Um, see how people are doing. Um, you know, if they want to have a little pop at me, have a pop at me. But um, if it's unwarranted, I'm going to have a pop back because I, I just in this day and age, I think it's it's hard. And and the more people have to say negatively to towards players, the more they just they tend to shut down. And I, again, I'm not saying that we can't have a a back and forth, um, you know, in in a constructive way. But um, it just it the social media aspect just just turns people off. Um, and and in a way, we're, we've always been taught to to kind of just let it be, and and we're not really we almost feel like we're not allowed to, to have our say, um, when it, when it comes to, to a lot of things. And I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to change the the narrative here. Um, and it, it, in a way it's, it's drummed up a lot of, a lot of interest for, for my other, the other things that, that I'm doing, which is, which has been nice, but really it was just a way to, to engage people again and, and engage fans and, and kind of kind of have that connectivity back.
2: Let's go back to the start now. Um, what was it like when you joined from Bolton to Fulham? Um, firstly under kit uh, and that first season, there was a lot of, lot of change and, and you went from, you know, Stuart Gray in the middle of it, caretaker and then Slavisa eventually coming in. Uh, must've been a bit, bit of a change for you.
0: Yeah, it was a huge change. I mean, you talk about, I'll go even further back, moving from New York to, to Bolton. Um, that's a culture shock. And <laughs> if you want to, I mean, that's putting it lightly. Um, and I love my time there. It was, you know, it was fantastic. Um, it was a great taste, um, first taste for me of of English football. And, um, but I I've never, I've never shied away from, from when I think it's time to, to move on, it's time to move on. And and I'm not afraid to, you know, to uproot things and, and find new challenges. And, um, you know, when I, I was, I was, you know, in the, in the 11th hour kind of switched over and and moved to Fulham. I was, I was that close to, to going to QPR and it was, you know, it was back and forth there for, for a while. But as soon as I heard that, you know, Fulham were interested, it was a no brainer for me with, with the history of, of Americans at the club, Um, American owners uh, just, it just felt right. And I'd always loved in in the two seasons um, during the well, from from watching the games, but in the in the seasons playing against them in the championship, I'd always loved the the cottage. There was it just had that that feel and that air about it. And um it was just somewhere I wanted to be. Um and and from watching, you know, McBride to Dempsey to Bocanegra, it was just somewhere that that I had to I had to play. I just felt like I had to play. And it was it was an adjustment for sure. I mean, it was a lot, a lot better moving down. Down north uh, or down south, I'm sorry, to London from from up north. Um, it was it definitely had a more a more um, New York feel, um, you know. And and it just yeah, it was it was a struggle. Listen, when you change managers, it's it's a struggle um, mentally. You know, you're you're not sure whether you're coming or going. Um, and and I think that's pretty well documented in uh, in my case when uh, when Slavisa came in. Yeah, you
3: talk about Slavisa coming in. Obviously, we finished twentieth. In your first season, and then to go from there to the playoffs the season after what what changed in that team uh
0: he told me to leave um and then I told him I wasn't going to leave so I, I I don't know like there wasn't much that changed I mean obviously there was a lot of players that changed, but I think he finally got the guys in that that he could work with um I just think we were a hodgepodge before that um, and and when he you know we 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 brought in the guys, you know, Niskins, Dennis, Sonny Aluko at the time. Um, he he kind of started to shape the squad um, and and players that had good technical ability and and could play really really nice football. Uh, and and I think that was the biggest the biggest change. Um, you know, we obviously still went through some through some growing pains um, in his first full season, but we had a clear idea of of what he wanted. And, and we knew, and we had a good structure and and we knew what he wanted and and we just had a good, a good feel off the, off the pitch as well. Um, and, and a lot of good, good friendships. I mean, I haven't even mentioned, you know, guys like Kevin McDonald and, and Stefan Johansson coming in, in that window as well. So, um, yeah, it was just, it was just a, an unbelievable collective of, of players, um, kind of pulling all in the same direction and, and obviously it culminated in a, um, you know a spot in the playoffs and then heartbreak.
1: Yeah, that was a uh, that was a pretty tough one to take against Reading, but I almost think uh you know all good things happen for a reason and we and we got what happened next year and, and that day against uh Villa at Wembley and we had Mark Nelly on this podcast um after he left uh, a couple of months ago and he spoke about that day being um, the best day uh, of his career i assume it's well up there for you i remember so many times that day that the white wall screaming ream at you i mean what what was that day like it must have been just magnificent
0: uh, i mean even the memories i mean i have i've have goosebumps right now thinking about it like you lo- you look back on on that day and i i don't know that that you can describe it to be honest with you i mean you um i coming out for warmups and the place was absolutely rammed um and you look up you know you look up behind behind our goal and and behind where we were warming up and i just i had the, the you know the feeling right away that like it was just it was just comfort um and and that's the first thing that that i remember um just feeling comfortable going out for the for the warmups and and i don't know what it was um but even even during that run in, uh, we we I mean we still discuss it. You know, Kev, Steph, um, Bets. We you know we we still talk about it to this day. Like there was just a feeling every time we went out that we weren't going to lose. And so to go into the the playoff final, we just we still had that feeling. Like there was no nerves. There was there was nothing that you know looking around at at all the guys that said, right, we're you know this this could go either way. There was just a a confidence that that no matter what was going to happen that we were going to come on come out on top and um obviously tc slotting the ball home um the place was was mental and and the scenes afterwards i mean how can you you i don't think there's anything from from the celebrations will will ever be forgotten
2: we have this question that comes in from baza uh, going back to the ream thing uh he how does it feel every time the Hammersmith End scream out ream. Um, and he goes on to say that his daughter partly the reason why she comes to Fulham is just to enjoy shouting ream every single time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nah, you know what honestly like during during the game all the guys give me trouble for it because you know in, in training they they start they've started to do the same thing, you know, if, <laughs> if I touch if I touch the ball, if I touch the ball, I got Alfie in my ear just just shout my name and then as soon as I walk into the into the training ground in the morning, you know, he's he's one of the first in and, and I'm one of the first in. Um, and, and that's all he says. It's a fist bump and, and the, you know, my name, um, in, in that manner. So, you know, in, in the, in the match, you you don't, you try to shut, shut things out. Um, it, I think it's been a lot, I've heard it maybe a little bit more Mm -hmm. now this season with, with fans being back in. Um, and also just because I've, I've come to the point where I'm, kind of playing a little bit more free. I'm having a, a lot more fun. I'm playing with a smile on my face and, and kind of taking everything in because I'm just at that point in in my career. Not not listen, not anywhere close to retiring, but it's something that you're so focused um as you as you go through that that I don't I don't notice it. I love the one, you know, before the game even starts, um my usual, you know, sprint into the box towards the, you know, towards the hammersmith. That's that's the one that really kind of sets the tone for me and, and gets me going. But um yeah, i've I've really started to to notice it more this season than than in previous seasons, and I think it's just it, it's just a nice connection and and I think that's the, again, going back to to one of the first things we've we, you know we talked about here is is that connection with the fans. and um you know it wasn't always that way, um you know, admittedly, but it's um it's so nice to have for sure.
3: Uh, you've been here for six years now, and we've had so many managers within that time how do you find that sort of motivation to work under a new manager of new philosophy and new ideas? Um, I just look at it as a challenge. Um, you know, I, I look at every,
0: every season, every, really every, every six months, because you, you look at transfer windows and, and, you know, we're, we're constantly, um, you know, bringing guys in if we need it or, you know, potentially not, but, you know, I, I look at it as, as a challenge every time it's, it's stressful. There's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I'll, I'll be the first one to to admit that every time there's a, a change in manager, except for this one, I, I don't know why I, I just felt so calm with this one. Um, again, maybe that's just because of of my age and and where I'm at in, in my career, but all the other ones I've going back to even my, my days in Bolton, I, I've always just been, you know, a manager comes in and I think, okay, this is a challenge. But like before it, it starts like the first week, I just, because of it, its new ideas, new um, you know, new personalities. It's really taken a toll, um, and it takes a mental toll. And I, I remember specifically when when Slavisa came in, the first week, first two weeks of training, I just thought to myself, "What am I doing here? Like, I I don't, I have no business playing under this guy. I, I felt off the pace, um, mentally just not right, um, physically felt like." I was just way in over my head, um, even though I had been, been playing majority of the games. So it's, it's difficult, but I do like, I I've, I've started to, you know, kind of understand better and and tell myself that they're, they're just, it's just another challenge. It's just another, you know, another, um, you know, fork in the road and, and you either, either go down fighting or, um, you know, you, you succeed and, and, and win a manager over and, Thankfully, majority of my career, um, I mean, pretty much all of my career, I've, I've been able to do that, whether that's, you know, in the first couple of weeks or, you know, it takes a, a, a month or two time, but, um, yeah, I've, I've had a lot of, a lot of ups and downs when, when managers come in. Um, but you know, thankfully i have kind of always pulled through that and, and just looked at it as a challenge.
1: Um, and how has that dynamic in the, in the dressing room changed? You know, It's gone from, I guess, people like Kevin McDonald and, and Steph Joe being the leaders. And, and now you're wearing the armband. I imagine now your role is to kind of nurture some of the younger players in the dressing room and, and and teach them the kind of the whereabouts and the pitfalls. Like you said, you had under the visa where you, you know, you lack confidence or you lack motivation or drive. Have, have you noticed a kind of like mentality shift for you, for yourself now that you're, you're one of the older heads in the squad?
0: Listen, I've always been an older head in the squad. I think I've been the oldest guy on the squad since Ragnar Sigurdsson was, <laughs> was, was here. And, and that's going back. Um, I mean, yeah. I, other than when, when I first came in, I'm, I'm pretty sure since that, since the year, yeah, since we lost to Reading, I've been the oldest guy in, in the team. Um, and, and I've been here for six years. So that tells you how young we were at the time um, yeah. and, and kind of tells you how old we are now. Um, but yeah, I, I, there, there's always been a, you know, a voice or a few voices with, within the, you know, the squad, but there's always been a kind of a collective, you know, guys look at, at certain guys for, um, for, you know, Kev, for example, you know, he was, he was the voice, you know, he, he had a lot to say, um, and he was a big personality myself. You know, I, I'd like to think guys looked at, at me as, as less of a voice and more of a, you know more of a, a doer, um, you know, look, look to, to me as a, as an example of, of what to do, maybe not what to say, um, because I didn't say much and now there has been a shift, but I think there's been a, a, a shift within the whole, the whole group. Um, you know, there's different manager, different kind of different tactics, different ideas. Um, and you know, there's still a group of us that, that are are looked upon as leaders. I just happen to be wearing the the armband you know, during, during the matches. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've, I've enjoyed it. You know, I, I, I kind of, have, I've had that role with, with the national team now for the last couple of years, um, and maybe not playing as much as, as I would, I would like, but, you know, I, I enjoy kind of having conversations and, and relating to the, to the young guys as, as much as I possibly can, even though, you know, young Fabi is, is closer in age to my seven-year-old than he is to me, but, you know, <laughs> he's, he's probably got more in common with him, but you know, that, that this is, this is the modern game. You, you have to, to be able as a, as a leader and someone who's looked, um, looked up to and, and kind of been there, done that, you know, you, you have to be able to re- relate to the, to the young guys as, as much as the guys that that are around your, your, you know, your own age. And, um, you know, I, I enjoy it. I, I do. I, I relish, um, you know, having the armband and I, I relish, you know, guys coming to me and, and asking for, for opinions and, and help and, and any advice that, that they may need. This question came
2: in from Ryan Byrne, and I think that follows on a little bit nicely. Um, do you have a favourite player that you've paired with, um, I assume, at centre-back um, rather, <laughs> rather than a strike partner?
0: Um. Can we name all sixteen or seventeen that I've played with? <laughs> um, it it is would...
1: insane the amount of center backs you've uh, you've played with uh, during your time. Yeah, I, I
0: I don't know that I have a a favorite. I I just think they've all been so different. Um, and I I think if you look at the the different points of of my time here and and the different points that that these guys have come in, I mean, I loved. I, I enjoyed playing next to cause he's a freak athlete, um, and could cover the amount of ground that, that I don't think I could ever cover. Um, and, and can jump through a, you know, through the ceiling of a, a 12 foot high roof. Um, Dennis, I, I enjoyed playing with Dennis because we went on that crazy run and, and it culminated in a, in a playoff final. I still curse him to this day for getting the red card, but <laughs> it all ended up all right. Um, and you know what, I've, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed playing with Tosin now, um, you know, him and I didn't really get, get a chance last year. Um, and, and that's okay. Um, but I've really, I've really enjoyed, you know, playing with him these, in this, these first couple of months. Um, and we've really, you know, we really developed a, a good partnership and, and good communication. Um, so yeah, I, I can't, I, I don't like to pick favorites, um, because they are all, all different. And I know that probably annoys the hell out of whoever asked the question, sorry. Um, but yeah, they're just, like I said, they're, they're different and, and I enjoy myself having to adapt to, to the different guys, because I think it makes, it makes me better as a, as a player to understand the different characteristics of, of a guy like Tosin to a guy like Kalas, to a guy like Adoy. Um, because they're all so very different. And I think that makes me a better player. But at the same time, I enjoy helping those guys out and, and making them,
3: um, you know, better players at at, at the same time. Uh, this question comes from Rick Cardis. He says, how does Tim feel about being part of the great Fulham America tradition and who is his favourite American to play for Fulham?
0: It's a great question. I, I had someone, someone asked me the other day on, on Twitter um, and it was, it was actually a sly one. I don't think many people saw it. Uh, they asked me where I rank myself, um, amongst some of the, you know, the Americans that, that have played here. And I, I, I said, and I stand by the statement. I just, I'm proud to be in the group. Um, I probably put myself pretty low on the list, um, of Americans who have played here just because I have that kind of warped, um, negative viewpoint of myself because I always think I can, I can do better. And and I try to try to strive for perfection, even though I know it's not attainable. So I I love that, that I'm part of, part of, you know, the group of, you know, Bocanegra, Dempsey, um, Keller, McBride, um, and even some of the younger guys who have kind of come through and and moved on already. So yeah, I, I think the one guy I always looked up to, not that he was, um, not that he played my position, but obviously I played with Bocanegra, so I I looked up to him, but McBride for sure, um, who's actually in camp um right now with us being being the GM with the 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 US team, but he he went to the same university that I did. Um well I went to the same one that he did, um played football there and and kind of just kind of followed in in his his kind of path. Um You know, going to the same university, and then making my way over to Europe, and eventually ending up at at Fulham. So yeah, he's he's the one that that I probably always kind of had one one eye on um, as a as a youngster.
1: I I can't agree. You're you're low down the list there, Tim. I can't. Look, I mean, it's a really high bar, isn't it? It's an extremely high bar. Clint did what he did against Juventus. Brian McBride was a legend and, and there's so many more but I think there's generations of of kind of full Americans and you're very very much like a recent generation and kind of, and, and 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 right at the top of it Tim honestly I think I think also I think what's great as well is, is I think you carried there was a danger of Fulham losing the kind of American connection, but you came in and actually have almost retained it. Now Anthony's here. Um, We were linked with Reggie Cannon. He nearly signed for us in the window, which would have made um, a kind of another American at Fulham. So I think you carried on the tradition. I think you actually had a very important part to play.
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I don't, I don't disagree, but I, I just, I just think there's levels to this. There's, there's just differences, right? McBride and Dempsey played in, in, you know, those great premiers, um, you know, Bocanegra the same, um, some of the keepers that have come through here, Hahnemann and, and Casey Keller, um, you know, there's, there's a few that, that didn't do so well here, but I, I just think, you know, for, <laughs> I won't name names. Sorry. I, <laughs> I won't do that. Um, I just, I just think like, yeah, like it, it's, it's great to be a part of that. Um, and, and I, I don't hold myself. Listen, a lot of these, a lot of footballers, they hold themselves up to to high esteem and and high pedestals, and and I'm not one of those. And I think that's, you know, it's important to to be humble. Um, and I've always been that way. And and it's great to be in in the, that conversation of of Americans at Fulham. Um, but again, is it because I've earned two promotions? But I've also been in a part of two relegations um you know is it because of the number of games i played well it's a different it's a different league you know i've I played the, in the championship with with Fulham for how many years now um this is my fourth out of out of six right yeah um and and there's a lot of games in the championship now that that takes a lot of work um there's no doubt you know to to be fit and, and stay healthy but yeah i mean listen if if you guys want to put me there like I'll take it, but I'm not going to put myself there, um, by any means. And, and I don't think I'll ever, I'll ever, uh, I'll ever do that. So, well,
1: look, it's worked for you staying humble all these years. So you <laughs> carry on doing that and we'll, we'll carry on championing you from the rooftops, Tim. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, and afterwards, Tim, we'd love to learn a little bit more about the endeavors you've been doing outside of Fulham. <laughs> Part two of the Fulhamish podcast, it's Sammy here with Farrell Monk, Jack Kelly, and we are talking to Fulham centre-back and US men's national team player, Tim Ream. Um, Tim, uh, loving your first part and talking about uh, your Fulham memories, but I think we want to come on to uh, some of the other parts of, of your life which, which maybe exist outside the white lines of, of the Craven Cottage pitch. And recently you've been very involved with an organisation called uh, Virtual Soccer Schools. Um, would love to know what it is and how you got involved in it
0: my boys go to school, obviously in, in, uh, in Cobham at the international school and one of their teachers mad about football. He, he runs another kind of initiative called Surrey soccer schools, which is an all-inclusive, um, you know, it's a play for everyone, uh, come out, there's no, you know, it doesn't matter what level you are, um, you know, come out, have fun, have a good time. It's all about, you know, enjoying yourself and and not putting the pressure on, on the kids. So anyway, he's he's come to me with an idea, um, during lockdown. And obviously we touched on this in the first, in the first part, um, you know, the podcast that there wasn't much interaction between, between fans, between players. Um, there was no connection really. And I don't know about you guys, but I mean, personally, not being able to to even play, um, and you're just getting on a bike or running around the, you know, the, you know, the streets, Mentally, that was hard, Um, and and he came up with this idea. Right, what if we start this program and and take it virtual? And it's it basically just you go into schools um, instead of doing public speaking, you're you're doing it virtually. And and he said, you know, I, I have this idea of getting a, getting players, um, bringing them on board, and supporting the children and school children who are either stuck at home still because of. Of lockdowns or um are in school and not able to to go to to football matches and and see you know the the players and and the footballers that they want to see um, and have that that personal interaction he said i i have this vision of, of bringing you guys into their classrooms and i thought that's interesting um and and so we've just been working on it we we started out you know and it's, it's not just a UK thing. I know we've, we've done a lot recently with, uh, with schools up and down the UK. Um, you know, during preseason, we did a big, a big, uh, kind of festival and, and, you know, hit 170 schools over the course of four days. Um, which was, was crazy. It was over like 3,600 kids, um, taking part and it's, it's just, you, you know, we, we get on, um, you know, I get on for twenty to thirty minutes, and and the kids can ask whatever they want to ask. Um, and you know, at the time, it was, you know, you you're going to get your obviously your your football questions. Oh, who's your favorite player? Who's the greatest? Who's who's the best player you've ever played against? But the the schools and the teachers we and and ourselves we had this um, kind of this goal of of supporting their their mental health and their well being and and the the topics that they may not feel comfortable discussing on a regular basis, um, but giving them a platform to ask a professional athlete, how they feel, um, and how I feel and how, you know, we've had, we've had, um, Joe Bryan on and Cyrus and, um, you know, I've had Christian Pulisic on and, and, um, Zach Steffen. So it's just an opportunity for the kids to, to meet in, in some cases, their idols and and people they look up to um while while talking about important topics that are affecting the world today in bullying online abuse um you know mental health stress anxiety and it's it's really just taken off uh and and you know we again we we started in Abu Dhabi we've been in Egypt we've been in Saudi Arabia um we've we've been in the Congo um so it's been it's been impressive and and I've I've really I, I've really enjoyed, you know, speaking to the kids and, and helping them along, but also sharing my own, my own struggles. Um, because I, I think a lot of times, you know, kids especially don't see the struggles that, that adults go through. Um, and then when it's adults and athletes and people that they see on, on the telly or, you know, see running around on the pitch, um, on, on Saturdays, I think it really resonates and and they, they then are able to, to speak up more and, and speak about their own, um, you know, their own, their own troubles and, and their own experiences. It obviously must've been a
2: whirlwind considering that you only started in, in lockdown last year. Do you have a vision for what, what you want VSS to, to be? Do you have a goal to reach a certain amount of, ch- a number of children? Are you targeting particular criteria for, for disadvantaged children? Where do you see this going?
0: Listen. We started big, and and we tar we we kind of did international schools with you know with regards to to only him and I only only speaking English. We don't you know speak um, too many other languages, um, and so yeah, we started in you know international school in like I said in in Saudi Arabia, Abu Dhabi, Egypt, um, and we we didn't we don't have a, a specific target. It's just eventually we, we would love to have it go global. I mean, we, we have a few different, a, a few different things, um, that we're discussing right now. Um, one with, uh, you know, potentially another Fulham legend in, in Louis Saha, um, you know, potentially him kind of jumping on board and helping us reach out to schools in France. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, I wouldn't say there's anything, uh, any one target group. It's definitely, we, we, we're looking at targeting school age children, whether that's eight years old to, you know, 14, 15, 16. And we've had all those, you know, we had all those in, in the the 170 schools um, during our little festival in, in preseason. So we're, we're right exactly where we want to be. Um, and we have a, you know, a few, a few exciting things kind of, kind of coming up, a few more exciting announcements with, with ambassadors and, Um, it's just, it's just really wanting the kids to feel comfortable being able to speak about their own mental health and, and where it is, because it's such, you know, you're seeing more and more athletes speak about it, um, because it isn't, it's important. I mean, you know, the, the fact that, that Joe Bryan has come out and, and spoken about it at length, um, Naomi Osaka, um, you know, speaking about it with the, with the tennis and, and how she's been feeling. So it's it's something that you know we're seen as athletes as these almost robots like robot like uh, a lot of the times and 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 that isn't the case and and we want you know the the kids to understand that and that it's okay to to speak about these things.
3: Yeah, you mentioned mental health and obviously uh, Joe Bryan did that fantastic piece I think with ESPN about it and is that something you talk about with the group of players uh, at Fulham? um mental health and how it affects you know not playing maybe um missing out on the team getting promoted and not playing as many games as you would have wanted is that something you talk about as a group um i'd say there's there's probably a handful
0: of us that that are comfortable talking about it i think some others are a little bit more reluctant and and that's okay Um, you know, eventually, you know, they may come around or they may not, they may be just absolutely fine to, to not discuss it. Um, we do have a, you know, a a guy that comes in every week that, that you can, you can go in and see and kind of bounce ideas off of and, and bounce, um, you know, your, your troubles and, and, you know, the things that you're feeling, which has been great. Um, you know, I, I've not felt the need to, to, you know, use them more than once or twice. Um. But I know guys do go regularly and and see him um, and listen. If your mind isn't right, um, and and I've always said this, if if your mind's not right off the field, you're you know you're going to be a disaster on it. Um, and and it's it's so important that that your physical well being and your mental well being are, are hand in hand. And I think more and more guys are starting to starting to realize that and starting to take advantage of you know, speaking to people about it and, and, you know, getting them into the, the right mindset to, to be at their peak performance.
1: Yeah. I I think it's so important and maybe, I don't know if you guys quite like acknowledge this in the dressing room, but I think in the likes of, yourself Joe Bryan in particular talking about mental health I think fans have got better at it there's a lot of fundraising initiatives at, at Fulham for, for campaigning against living miserably and I think it makes such a difference when your role models which are you guys on the pitch are openly talking about this and I, and I think um I, I, I think it's such a vital thing that you guys are doing so and, and and it's really nice to see that some of the Fulham boys really taking a, a lead on that and, and making sure it's it's well known that you know it's fine to for your mental health, not to always be great. Um, you started a new podcast called indirect with broadcaster, uh, Steve Schlanger. Um, you recently interviewed new Norwich signing, uh, Josh Sargent. Um, how did this come about? Is this a trial run for, for when you retire and joining the Fulhamish podcast? Um, you know, what was the, uh, <laughs> what was the process behind this? I've re- I've really enjoyed some of the episodes that you guys have done.
0: Honestly, it was crazy. Um, my agent, uh called me and was like, Hey, listen, I've, this guy's been, been emailing me, um, asking if, if you want to, you know, potentially do a podcast. And I was like, well, I've not really been into podcasts, um, so to speak. And I've not really been into the kind of the whole media thing, but it started to kind of go hand in hand with, with the social media. And I was just like, why, why not? Like, listen, you you can do a podcast and either people are going to listen or they're not. And, and you can't make them listen. You can't make them like your opinions, but he, he kind of pitched it to me that, listen, there's, there's not many active professionals doing their own kind of podcast. And I was like, right. Okay. Um, and, and so really he just wanted to, to do, try to do an episode a week. Um, just talking about the, the hot topics that are going on. It's not just about U.S. soccer. It just happens that we have a, a list of, of guests that we want to get on. And because of, you know, who I play with and, and who I know, um, a lot of them will potentially be U.S. soccer guys um, along with, you know, guys at, at Fulham and, um, you know, beyond. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it is something to to kind of just, kind of dip my feet into, um, and, and see, see kind of what, what the, the podcast side and, and potentially the media side is because, you know, him and I still, you know, have discussions about he's, he's right now, right now doing the the U S open tennis. Um, so it's, you know, it, and he's kind of giving me little bits of, of feedback here and there on, on kind of his schedule and and what he does. And, um, yeah, he pitched it to me and and I said, you know what, why not? My kids are all all going to be in school now. I don't have a, a you know all three of them at, at home. Um, there's no more lockdown. Um, I have a little bit extra time, and it's it's interesting because I end up uh, recording them late, probably nine nine 30, 10 o'clock at night our time because he's based in 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 my hometown of St. Louis. That was the other connection. So he was like, yeah, I'm, you know, from St. Louis, I went to the same university, um, and so it just kind of kind of snowballed from there. Um, I've enjoyed it. Um, it can be, it can be stressful sometimes when, when you can't get, get guests on and they're like, yeah, I'll come on. And then they're like, no, I can't come on. And I'm like, oh, geez, you're killing me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been enjoyable. It's been something different, like I said, and, and kind of, like I said, goes hand in hand with, uh, the whole social media thing and, and kind of just drumming up interest with, with that, with the social media, with, with VSS and, um, you know, kind of just pushing, pushing all that out.
1: Yeah, exactly. Can't wait for the Clint Dempsey episode, for all the Brian McBride episodes. Indirect is the name of the podcast. I imagine most people are listening on a podcast player right now. So if you haven't listened to Tim's podcast yet, just uh, give it a search, get subscribed. And um, it's a really, really great show. Um, Right, we're going to take another break. And then we've got some burning questions about Fulham and this season. Part three of the Fulhamish podcast: Sammy Farrell and Jack talking to the one and only Mr. Tim Ream today. Uh, loving your work so far, Tim. Let's get stuck into this season then. Um, as at the time of recording, uh, Fulham flying high, top of the table, thirteen points after five games. It's been a brilliant, brilliant start to the season under Marco Silva, and I think that's what I just where I want to start, Tim. Just your overall feeling about how these first five games have gone. Um, we were hopeful going into this season, but I guess you never know. There's a long way to go, but yeah, you couldn't have started much better than that.
0: Uh, I mean, the only the only way you start better is not dropping points against Middlesbrough the first game, but I think that was a, a little bit of a uh, an eye-opener and a wake-up call for us. Um, so I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Um, but it, listen, I said on, on Twitter the other day, uh, it, it's just been purely enjoyable um the 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 fact that they come in and and you know the first thing is say listen, we want you to play with a smile on your face you, we want you guys to have fun um and I think it's pretty evident the the way things are are going and and the way you know we're we're playing on the on the pitch and and you know in in the games that that guys are just having fun um and you know I think it's what the best start in twenty some odd years um that the club has had so um yeah, I mean, so you, they, they make it enjoyable and, and the guys are, are really responding um, and it helps to have a, a squad and, and the depth that, that we do that, that guys can just step in and, and uh, you know the, uh, not miss a beat. How does that compare
2: between the last two promotion campaigns? It's obviously those two years we got promoted, but this year we've started even better how's the feeling between those two years and this year so far?
0: I think the feeling this year is probably similar to the feeling of the second half of under Slavisa. Um When we just, you know, we lost to Sunderland, obviously had a Christmas due. Um, I'm pretty sure that's public knowledge now. Um, <laughs> we had a, we had had a, yeah, lost to Sunderland, had a Christmas due and didn't lose again until, until Birmingham away. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's the same feeling. Uh, I just we we go into into matches and, and just think, right, we've got too much for teams. There's just too much in in the changing room um and too much in the on the on the bench coming on for for teams to handle. And and we know and and it's it's a you know we say every every single every single week that if if we match um the intensity and the work rate of of whoever we're playing, there's nobody that's gonna outplay us. Um, and and that's been that's been the key. Um, and it's, it, like I said, it's, it's definitely more the second half of, of that first promotion, promotion under, under Slavisa that, that this one is, is feeling like if not even better because we're scoring bunches.
3: And what, what's like, what's Marco Silva like in training? Is he, is he intense? Is he one who puts an arm around the shoulder? And of course he, all, all that problems with Mitrovic in the summer, we didn't really know what was going to happen with him. And, Suddenly he signed a five year contract and suddenly everything's great at Fulham again. Yeah, he's he's both. Um
0: he is. He he knows he knows when to when to push guys and he and he knows when to to put an arm around. Um and that's the first thing that that I really noticed when he, you know, when he came in, it was listen, you know, we're we're gonna work. Um we're gonna be out here for an hour, uh, sorry, an hour and a half, hour and forty-five minutes. Um and and we're gonna we're gonna work our butts off. And and you may not like it. You may not like some of the things that, that I have to say, but at the end of the day, it's, it's to, to help you guys, it's to push you guys it's to, to make you guys better. And, um, you know, as soon as training sessions are over, he's, he's walking around and, and tapping everybody on the shoulder and, and putting an arm around them or, you know, give them a little kick across the shins while, while we're stretching and, and just having a chat. Um, and, and they're good about that. They're good about, you know, creating a, a, a real team vibe, um, you know, making sure that, that we sit down and even if we're not stretching after, after training, we're, we're at least having conversations, talking about anything and nothing, um, having, having lunches together, um, at the training ground where, where most guys would shoot off. Now we're, you know, we're all sitting down and, um, phones are put away and just, just getting that connection, uh, amongst everyone. And and I think that's been the the biggest, um, probably, probably change over the past three or four years. Um, is that you know they they've come in and they want that connection and they're they're happy to push guys and happy to push buttons, uh, but at the same time they're they're more than than willing to put an arm around guys and, and make them feel uh, feel important.
1: I mean, Fulham's strength and depth at the moment is is pretty sensational. You could put two teams out on the pitch, completely different players, and I think both enough are strong enough to be at the very top of of the championship what is that like though it's great for us as fans we, we we love you know having all of these different options but ultimately only 11 players can play there's some very very talented people every single week that that won't get on the pitch is that a hard dynamic
0: i think probably last year it it, it would have been in, in the year before would it would have been a hard dynamic i think for the most part guys guys understand um and and you know, the manager has made it very clear that, listen, if you're not playing, he's like, it's not the guys in front of you, that it's not their fault. Um, you know, and, and they want everyone together and and supporting each other. Um, you can be mad at the manager for, for not picking you, but, um, at the end of the day, we're, we're all trying to go to the same place. Um, and we're all trying to pull in the same direction. And so I think at times it can be difficult, but I think if everyone kind of accepts that it's a long season and and there are going to be injuries, case in point um, against hole, um, that, that guys are just going to have to be ready. And, and I think everyone talks about, Oh, competition is, is good. Competition is this, it's that. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You know, I got, I got Alfie breathing down my neck, um, you know, for the left center back spot, he, Tosin's got Alfie breathing down his neck for the right center back spot. I mean, you got, Terrence coming back in, um, heck and, and Bobby have obviously come in late from, from the gold cup with, with preseason and, and they're pushing. So there's no, you, you can't take, you can't take a day off. Um, and I think that's, that's, what's pushing guys to, to the levels that, that we're at and and the levels that, that we've started. And listen, that can only be good for the, for the rest of the season, right? Um, you got guys pushing you, you're, you're going to be, um, you know, playing at, at the top of your ability is, uh, you know, the majority of the time. I suppose, I suppose in that regard that silver has
2: enough in his bank to think about rotating when fixtures are congested, maybe when players are away from international duty playing three games in a row and whatnot. Do you feel that you would just have to keep proving your worth every time that he decides to make the odd change here and there and whatnot? I suppose, are you available for Saturday as well? When's your flight home? <laughs>
0: is that the, is that the real question? Um, we, uh, we are actually, we're flying back straight after, after the game on Wednesday. Um, you know, there's a a big group of us in, in Europe. Um, I think there's, I don't know the number off the top of my head. There's at least 12, 12 of us, um, that are, that are going to be flying back together. Um, and yeah, we will, we'll land on, on Thursday afternoon and we'll see. I, I don't know. I've, I've not, it wasn't really uh, wasn't it's not, never really discussed before you you get back. Um, I think it it all kind of depends on if you play that that last game or not um, in the in with your internationals. So yeah, we'll see about that one. But yeah, I mean, I, I think listen, yeah, I think if you if you can squad rotation is is healthy. Competition is healthy. Um, it keeps guys hungry. It, it it lets them know. Listen, you know, you keep working. You're you're going to get your chance, um, and then it's up to you to to either grab it or know um, that that you're just kind of giving a guy a spell because he's played a, a ton of games, a ton of minutes. Um, and I think that's where the, the the communication aspect with with the staff is is so so important. Um, and and guys appreciate that. Guys guys want to know where they stand. Um, and if if they don't, then then they start getting antsy. They start getting you know their head turned and 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 getting annoyed. But yeah, it's what a, what a problem to have that you can rotate an entire 11 out and, and probably have the level not drop um, at all uh, going into a, into a league uh, fixture.
3: Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, when Marco Silva was appointed, not only he came in, but also Luis Vermort, who set a spell at the club. What, what's he like on the training ground? Uh, he's intense.
0: Um, he's intense for sure. He's, you know, he's, he's got, um, he's got the ear of a lot of guys, uh, because we know he's, he's been here. Um, he's done it. He's, um, I believe he was promoted in 2001, right? With Tagana. Um, so yeah, I mean, guys know, um, who he is, what he's done, what he's about. And he, you know, he has a lot of input. In, into tactics and and you know players playing in in certain positions and it's been it's been a joy to to you know to have him um it, well, like i said the the entire staff has has been you know so so enjoyable to work with um and he's just he he brings um kind of a fun personality you know you where you have where you have the manager who's a little bit more serious but can have a have a little bit of a joke um you know boa brings brings a more kind of laid back, but also intense. Um, You know, when, when we're working, it's time to work. Um, But I've got, he's got no problem kind of, kind of mucking it up and and joining in, in the, in the five V2s and the Rondos and, um, you know, really, really enjoying himself, which is, you know, has been, has been fun.
1: I imagine he's still pretty handy in the, uh, in the five V2s and the the Rondos, Louis, but I imagine that uh, some some of the old quality of the dead snake's still very much there. (laughs)
0: Yeah. he still, he's, he still has it. He's, he's not quite as sharp, but he's, I mean, some of the, just before we left, uh, he had a few touches and, and I mean, guys were like, wait, what? Like couldn't, couldn't actually believe that he he had pulled it off. But, um, yeah, it's, it's fun when he can, when he, when he jumps in, uh, it doesn't happen often. So when it, when it does, it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, hooting and hollering going on and, and a lot of, uh, a lot of banter flying around.
1: Yeah, it's great seeing back at the club. One of my, one of my early day heroes for sure, Louis Bo. Um, So look, you guys obviously want to make it back to the Premier League next year. Um, You played quite a bit in the first Premier League season. You didn't play, I imagine, anywhere near as much as you would have wanted to play in the Premier League last year. Do you feel like you've got a point to prove at the, uh, at the highest level still? Should we make it back? It's not guaranteed. It's not assumed. But if we did... um. You you must feel like you want to you know, like, you know prove, some, prove some people wrong,
0: yeah. But I think that's every season. I don't think um, I don't think that changes no matter how how old you are, where where you're at in your career. Um, at least not for me. Uh, you know, I've I can't tell you the number of times um, that I've been written off, even at this club, um, by those that I'm sure many of you um, have come in contact with, and many of you know um and and that's okay. Uh you know, I I I've, I've always come in with this mentality that every season I have to prove myself. Um right or wrong, um you know, history is history and and it's what have you done for me lately? Um and and that's the way I look at things. And and so yeah, I mean, was last year not great in terms of where I wanted to be and and what did I what I wanted to be doing and how much I wanted to be playing? Yeah, of course not, but um, you know, uh, right now I'm just completely focused on, on this season because that's what's the here and now. Um, and it doesn't matter if, you know, if we don't get promoted, then it's, it's a mute point. Um, if we do, then I have to prove myself all over again and can, or will I be able to do that, um, in this kind of new system under a new manager with a, you know, a, um, this squad, who knows, you know, I, I can't, I can't predict the future, but yeah, I mean, you, like I said, I'm, I'm always out to prove people wrong. I'm always out to prove myself wrong. Um, you know, there, there are times when you think, and I, I said this before you, there are times that you think, what what hmm, it might be, might be coming close. And then, you know, you start to to kind of find your form and you're like, no, what, what are you, what are you talking about? You still got a good four or five years left. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm out to prove, prove people wrong, um, every single season. And, and if I get that chance next year, then then obviously that's that's what my goal will be. Um, uh, you know, if we if we get promoted and, and if we don't, I'll still be here, proving that I still belong uh, on the team and, and on the, in the starting eleven in the championship.
2: Well, we certainly believe that you belong um, uh, in the starting eleven. Well, are you sure? Are you <laughs> well, sure? certainly certainly in this foursome right now, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but I mean, has silver helped you adapt your game at all or is he saying look you're the type of player exactly what i need right now i mean it's great to see you doing your sort of trademark if you can say ventures past the halfway line getting past strikers who are chasing after you even as the most experienced player for what you said as seems like forever has he even told you to adapt your
0: game at all yeah it's funny i not, i mean i i went in and had a conversation with him and and uh you know after the first probably well it was probably after the the second week he was here and and said listen uh, you know i don't know what you're thinking i don't know what your plans are but um i have a lot of things that that i still want to accomplish at at 33 years old going on 34 um and and i want to be playing games uh, i don't feel i'm at the age where i just want to sit back and and in, enjoy the last couple of years uh, i i i don't believe in that and and as soon as that becomes the case then it's time for me to to be done and um you know there's national team implications and and all that and and he said whoa he's like no he's like you're absolutely part of my plans um he's like that's it that's that's end of discussion um and and so yeah here, here we are And and the biggest thing is just playing quicker um i think we we all are well aware of, of kind of the last couple of seasons, how, how we've kind of slowed things down a bit. Um, and he just wants guys to, to play quicker and it's clearly paid dividends. Um, not just myself, but, um, I feel like I played better when, when we play quicker. Um, it's, it's a lot easier to make decisions. Um, when, when things are, are moving at a, at a quicker pace, um, for me, for whatever reason, don't ask me why, Most people will say the exact opposite when things look, you know, when things are slowed down, it's it's easier. But I just the way I play the game and and read the game, it just seems like it's coming so easy and and natural when things are, are moving quick. And so, yeah, I mean, as soon as he said that, I thought, no, this is perfect. This is exactly this is exactly me. This is exactly how I want to be playing quite obviously, it's, it's how the majority of, uh, of the squad want to play because it's, um, you know, it's been a, a breath of fresh air to, to start the season.
3: Yeah, and it's so attractive to watch as well. And, and one player who's key in that team is uh, Fabio Carvalho. And look, we've had youngsters like Cessin Jan heidman uh, Moussa Dembele. How does he rank for you in terms of uh, his potential? And what do you think his ceiling is?
0: Um, I mean, the kids up there. There's, there's no doubt about it. I think if you look back at the first promotion season and, and with Sess, he just, he had that knack for being in the right place at the right time, didn't he? Um, and I love Ces. Um, I, I really do. I, I think, you know, it, it's a shame kind of how he's, he's kind of stalled out a bit, um, you know, maybe through no fault of his own, um, but they're just, they're different. And, and Fabio is, he's, he's kind of that all around package. Um, he's got the pace. He's not afraid to, to get into tackles. He's not afraid to track back. Um, and again, Sess, was not afraid of, of any of those either. Um, maybe shied away from contact a little bit. Um, but Fabi is just, I mean, he's up and down. He, what, what was it? Was it, uh, had to have been stoked when he tracked back, tackled the guy. And all of a sudden we were off on a counter attack, um, and put the, their, their right side, um, right side center back just on the ground. Um, cause he was taking too many touches and it's just, it's that type of thing that you can't teach. Um, and as an 18 year old kid, the fact that he has it, um uh, I'm sorry, he's 19 now, isn't he just turned 19. Um, the fact that he has that, um, in his game already, and he's not just this, um, this nice player, uh, and, and this nice, uh, you know, footballer that, that only wants it, wants it his way, um, and, and wants to be able to touch the ball and dribble and, um, you know do do different moves and and uh it, it's just it, it's so it's fun to watch him it's fun to play on his side to be honest with you because I can tell him where to go um and and where to stay and where to be and, and he knows that I'm gonna try to do my my darndest to get him the ball every single time uh, just so I can watch him do do the things that he does. But yeah he's he's gotta be up there as as one of the best kind of 18, 19 year olds that that I played with in in my career and and quite obviously I played with uh, you know a good few here
1: yeah um such exciting times a really exciting season in store ahead tim and it's been magic to talk to you honestly we've really really enjoyed um spending an, an hour in your company so i guess all that remains to say is um thank you so much for for giving up some time on your on your international break to uh, to chat to fulhamish
0: no problem thanks for having me i really enjoyed it